On behalf of The Real Real, I'm Julie Gilhart, President of Tomorrow Projects and Chief Development Officer of Tomorrow. And I'm Sarah Kozlowski, VP of Program Strategies Education and Sustainability at the CFDA. And we're excited to be co-hosting the CFDA and The Real Real Collaborative Podcast, Circle of Influence. In the Circle of Influence, we will be taking you on a journey through fashion in a landscape forever changed, guided by influential voices, including leaders chartering the transformation within the sustainability design, climate action, and social advocacy. We'll also talk with both designer and emerging talents who are embracing innovation and technology. Together, through stories of resiliency, hope, and imagination, we'll explore how fashion as a community is navigating today's unknown towards building a new, more sustainable, and just, and equitable future. I'm thrilled to introduce you to today's three special guests. First, we have Beth Buccini, founder and owner of Kern is the Bet, a multi-brand group of stores for women's fashion. Also joining us is Victor Glamont, founder and owner of a leisure wear collection, as well as the founder of In the Black, a 501c3 organization created to unify and build solidarity and economic independence for Black individuals in the global fashion industry. And lastly, but most certainly not least, we are also joined by Jamie Pallett, executive producer at Sensorium, a cutting-edge experiential studio pioneering artificial intelligence, and formerly the founder of Style.com. Let's just get right into it. Though our episode is titled The Future of Fashion Week, I want to first start by talking about some of the changes we've experienced in these last months that we think will have a lasting impact as we head into the future. Um, So I'd like to ask all of you, What changes have each of you seen during the COVID crisis, both positive and negative, and how will you see companies adapting to this? this? Um, Beth, should we start with you? Sure. I mean, what changes didn't we see? (laughs) I think, you know, everything that every single way that we had been doing our business was turned upside down. And it's not just retailers who felt that way. I mean, designers and every aspect of the industry was absolutely turned upside down. And so, you know, we did what you can only do, move forward and pivot and try to make best decisions for your company with, you know, your vendors and your leaders and your team members in mind and and try to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the retail stores got hit so hard. Yeah. I, I Never in my 21-year career in retail or in anyone's who's probably a lives career right now in fashion, mm. have we been forced to shut down by the government? And that's exactly what happened to us all in mid-March. And we really had to regroup. Victor, do you want to talk about how it was being a designer and how that affected you? You know, this period was, uh, it was difficult on many different fronts. Obviously, you know, back in March with COVID and the shutdown in terms of business, um, the the economic impact of that and just how do we sustain, how do we have, how do we sustain our business? And my business is very small compared to a lot of people in this industry. How do I continue to um, support my team? Um, that People had to go home to Los Angeles and other parts of the country and still try to figure out how to work, how to create, how to fit clothes, how to ship clothes. You know, these were all 
uncharted issues that we all had to navigate and figure out a way to to adapt. And, you know, luckily we had technologies that were able to help us, you know, and, and I think when things started to appear as if we could see a new normal, you know, then in June, uh, a racial awakening happened in this country as well. So it was, you know, a one-two back-to-back that unleashed these topics that had never been discussed before in this country and around the world. So it was professional. It was personal. It was, it is a lot. Yeah. I don't think we would have ever expected to have been here now like this. Um, I mean, one thing you said about the the digital part, we had to digitalize so much. Jamie, you know, you've been in the business for a long time. Do you want to address that? Yeah, I mean, for us specifically, you know, we had three or four projects that were in the works in in January, February for um, interactive events, which was mostly what we did, setting up physical installations for brands where people would come and interact with technology and each other to create to create these sort of out of home experiences. And of course, suddenly all of us fell off the cliff um, in March. So that was the 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 whoops moment. Um, and then the flip side of that came for us pretty soon in that suddenly um, the innovation in the digital platform started to flood in. Everyone was forced to go, I mean, mostly onto Zoom, but the number of companies that started developing new techniques and technologies to make that process more immersive and easier and more fluid kind of went um, off the charts. So, And then we started getting requests for digital virtual presentations of what formerly we would have been doing physically. Um, I'm not as directly in the fashion business as these guys. We do, we do, we, we do um, some fashion work, but we're in we're an experiential studio, as you said. Um, but for us, it's been a, a crazy pivot. It's actually brought in a whole lot of new work and it's opened our eyes to a lot of new ways of doing things, including presenting virtual fashion shows and other kind of spectacles like that. I want to get back to that too. I want to ask Beth, you know, just kind of travel back in time, which I think it seems like years ago, but your first market experience post-lockdown. Do you think designers have been successful in creating these digital markets in order for you to do, you know, business as usual, um, which is not as usual, but, you know, definitely you have to keep your business going. We've been through it kind of twice now, really, if you think we did pre-collection and we did runway. And so I was actually in Paris buying until March 7th. (laughs) (laughs) And I returned home and, you know, we turned in all our orders and then, you know, we basically ripped them all up and said, uh, you know, had conversations with designers one after the other, like, what are you actually going to produce? And, you know, we don't actually really want ball gowns anymore (laughs) because, really in May and June, we were going to start buying again. And so I'll have to say that for the most part, May and June were really pretty dicey in buying those pre-collections. A lot of designers just weren't, I mean, of course they weren't ready. They couldn't even physically get samples made because factories were shut down or mills were shut down where the, the fabrics were coming from. So there was nothing to produce. So, you know, it was 
you know, I always say like, never let a good pandemic go to waste, right? It was just a really great opportunity for us to rethink our whole industry that has been ripe for change and think about what worked and what didn't. Now, buying via Zoom is certainly really an unusual thing. (laughs) And um, some people did it better than others. I mean, I'll say when we started in May with some, you know, major European luxury brands, they were showing us sketches and, you know, holding up fabric swatches like post-its to the camera going in and out. And I'm thinking, you guys have hordes of money. Could you not get it together, (laughs) gather better than this? I mean, this is so silly that this is how we're really going through this process. You know, it is, I know we're in a pandemic, but it's 2020 people. (laughs) And by the time we got to runway market, it definitely improved. I I think, you know, I feel so badly for designers at all levels, because if you're a major design house, you all of a sudden feel that you have to put on the most gargantuan production, which is really complicated in a pandemic. And then if you are a new upcoming designer, you feel that you have to have the technology technology and the polish and to be a cinematographer or a director or, you know, have this whole vision that you want to present when really you're just a fashion designer making amazing things and you're a creative and it's, that's, it's too much pressure to put on people and not even to mention the budget that's required for some of these Mm -hmm. things. So I think kind of by the end of the day, we felt like it worked best when we had actual fabric samples in our hands to Mm -hmm. look at. We had somebody in the showroom as an agent, we had a model in the showroom trying things on and we were, you know, they were walking in and out of the camera, like, here's the sleeve, you know, <laughs> getting as close to as possible, but we made it work. What remains to be seen is if that was successful and nobody really knows the answer to that yet, because all these clothes are just starting to hit the stores right now. Yeah. It's going to be hard to measure because we're also now on kind of, yeah. Lockdown again. Correct. Yes. Correct. So uh, it's going to be a little hard to measure, but this is definitely. I mean, Jamie, we'll get uh, to you. It's it's definitely an AI issue too uh, for the future. Um, you shouldn't have to be using a sticky and showing a model's arm <laughs> close to the camera. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. There but, was a lot of like, could but, you see? Can you see? It's like a black, but like not like a jet black. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's one of the examples of the technology that I'm talking about that has accelerated so fast in, in, in the last few months. I mean, a year or two ago, if you tried to make a realistic 3D version of a of a a garment, certainly a luxury fashion garment, it was, you couldn't get anywhere near close enough to satisfy, you know, the, the kind of eye that Beth has or that Victor has. You can now. That, that um, technology has been accelerating like crazy. So, you, and you see some of the new wholesale platforms start to deploy that so you can get a really realistic, effective, three-dimensional view of a piece of clothing. Um, and that's already developing now. Um, and long term in the future, I mean, this is blue sky, and I know it doesn't really help anyone who's like working their way through this pandemic right now. But long term in the future, you can see there is the outline of a purely digital cycle where clothes are designed in 3D, samples are produced virtually, you know, custom sized to fit customers. There is a blue sky vision of the entire cycle going completely, completely digital. 
Well, you laugh, that, laugh, guys. I know it's it's it's, it's a long way out. It's, it's the dream, actually. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, okay. You know, in terms of uh, you know. Uh, carbon footprint and sustainability, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity there to create a more holistic way of producing and selling merchandise. But here's a question, you know, do you, you just described a world where the physical experience would be entirely eliminated. And do you think that's really what we want? I mean, Beth and I discussed this before that, you know, especially when you're talking about emerging talent, it's very relationship oriented. It's certainly not what I want. And from my days in the fashion world, of course, nothing comes close to the, of course, leaving your house and going to a physical place and, and, and meeting all the people who constitute your world and your culture and being in the same room with them. And that sense when a, when a collection comes down the runway of like this fashion hive mind like evaluating and like dollar signs are being racked up in the in the right in the in the in the rows of what all this is going to be worth it's an incredible thing a fashion show is one of the great one of the greatest things you can go to in the world you know with long up with theater drama you know um is it going to go away no in the same way that uh a print magazine is going to go away no but are they a much less significant piece of the overall picture than they used to be yes you know, so on the one hand, I think there's going to be, I see it kind of happening at, at two extremes. The physical um, shows will stay. At the other end, um, yes, the cycle can go completely digital, even even to the level of people starting to buy digital clothes. You know, we all saw that story about the, you know, that someone spent $9,500 on a Gucci dress, a, vi- a virtual Gucci dress that could only be worn on Instagram, Right. So again, that's like blue sky kind of crazy, but I see it going in, in, in the two opposite extremes that, and it's not such a bad thing. I mean, I, even before COVID, I heard plenty of people griping about the way that shows have become, you know, pure marketing events. So it maybe became it's not, a circus. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it became unsustainable. It was unsustainable for designers. It was unsustainable for the people that were in the business. It 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 just came, but it came to a halt. So, mm-hmm. you know, in one way, we have a chance to rebuild. Um, I think you know what you're talking about rebuilding, and what Jamie touched upon this idea of digital and and animation. I think it depends on the brand. You know, if certain brands can do 3D design for sample making for their development and they have a a physical, you know, sort of content creation in terms of shows, which to me, that's what shows are. It's content, you know, and and if you certain brands might want to do their presentation and and runway shows digitally, you know, and but they have to make the samples in a different way or they're handmade. You know, I think it's going to be really decided by the brands and it's not going to be one formula for the entire industry. You know, I don't think fashion shows will disappear. You know, there is an entire ecosystem of people who work on shows in our industry that, you know, create as well. And, and I don't think that's going to completely be erased through digital or technological, you know, progresses. But I think, it's really adapting and I would love to develop parts of my line in 3D because 
I do knitwear and it's very specific and it starts really early. So it's not like I'm running to the garment district to find fabric and inspiration. Like it's really specific in terms of the yarn and the linking and the time that goes into it. Um, and there are things I don't need to develop. I can just look at it. Hopefully I've never done this, but I've, I've, I know friends who work, who design digitally and it's fascinating to me. And I think there's opportunities to adapt your business to the times that we are now living in and we will be in for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, one thing I think is that, is that what we want to do is create a platform for fashion where everybody can experiment in different ways. It's not one way, is this the right way? So there will be designers who need to use technology and that's their creative process. There's other designers, they must have a show, they must have a runway show mm -hmm. because that is part of how they create. Um, Victor, maybe you could just talk a little bit about what happened with In the Black, where you were thinking this group of creatives would go to Paris and mm -hmm. show what they were doing, but that obviously didn't happen. So you reached out to um, five directors in different Global locations around yes. the wor world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and made... Um, you made five different films. So I'm that that was a really beautiful and if you all haven't seen it 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 still is uh, content on the Paris Digital Fashion uh, platform Paris Digital Fashion Week platform but um how effective do you think that was in terms of building brand awareness and sales? I think it was really effective in terms of building brand awareness. I think it was really effective in terms of introducing um, the collective to a global audience. Initially, part of the concept was to potentially have there be a sales element to it. But, um, you know, In the Black being a nonprofit, we couldn't really had we couldn't add that, that part to our, our website, to Instagram or anything like that. So we were really focused on the creativity and also allowing the directors to express their creative vision that I think was really achieved by five different directors in five different cities, no, in four different cities, excuse me. Um, and they all had the same sort of outlook in a way, in a very different artistic expression, but the core of the films is quite similar, you know? And that was beautiful to see in terms of everyone got a brief and they came back with different approaches to a similar idea creatively. And that I've never seen, you know, in any fashion industry collective, you know, let alone designers um, yeah. who, of any color, you know, designers of any color, yeah. that does not happen. And for this to be achieved in such a short amount of time, you know, globally in a pandemic is a feat that yeah. was extraordinary and is extraordinary. Yeah, it, it shows you the power of the collective, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then also looking at it, you looked at it in a different way because you knew it was a fashion show, exactly. so to speak. So, um, so Beth, this is a question for you. So I know you're a big supporter of new talent and designers. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot 
of new people that'll be co- that'll be coming out during this period. I, I really believe that there's been a, a germination of some sort of you know people that are post pandemic will have a lot of new talent out there. But right now, how do you look to new designers and, and but also feel secure when? Um, you know, secure to bring them in the store when you can't really meet them or touch a lot of their clothes. I love searching for new talent. It's one of, by leaps and bounds, the favorite parts of the job for me. And one of the major reasons why I, I started my business 21 years ago, it's definitely a challenge right now. I mean, everyone is in a really tough economic place. I don't care whether you are the biggest designer in the world or a brand new up, up and coming designer. And so, that makes it challenging across the board to be willing to take risks because, you know, it's a lot easier to try selling, you know, new and exciting things that people haven't heard about when we're in a great economy and we're obviously in a terrible economy. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is if you can't see it in person, and then it's really tough. You haven't had the one-on-one conversation. You haven't touched it. You can't really see the fit of it. It's completely different to see that um, over Zoom versus in person. Um, and you know that makes it such a challenge as well because you really want to be in there and touch it and feel it. Like it's a one thing for us to be buying Dior and Gucci and major designers right now when the representative can say to us, oh, it's the same fabric as last season is the green dress that you bought. Remember, it's that stretchy one. And we'll say, oh yeah, exactly. Okay, great. We know which one that is. Or, you know, they have fabrics that we know really well that we're used to and we know which ones have been successful. And, you know, we don't have to be on top of it, touching it to be able to make calculated choices. And that's why it's really hard when it's somebody new. I mean, we have had some success with crazy things that would only happen in a pandemic. Like, like I bought a, I, I saw this cute little velour sweatsuit online that I bought. And I said to my buyers, like, this line is amazing. And they're like, oh my God, we saw it like right before we shut down. We love it too. And I'm like, let's place an order right now. It's exactly what we need. And we couldn't get our hands on it because of course, you know, they weren't, couldn't produce fast enough and production problems and fabric problems and, you know, that whole cyclical issue that we're having. And so finally we um, just got a huge new order of it. It's Susie Condi. It's the cutest line ever. It's like the new juicy couture and it's perfect oh, for like right now. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, exactly. And so I'm like, I'm buying. You like, own that, don't you, Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> but if we're looking at like high-end designer fashion and you're a new designer, it's really hard right now. But you know, that's where AI would really help a lot. But um, Jamie, um, you know, the long-term, the well, the short-term costs um, are high, would be high for a small to medium size, a small business, a starting business. Yes and no. One of the pl- plus sides of the pandemic has been this incredible acceleration of some of the tech changes that were happening. And they're getting not only better, but cheaper. We talked to some fashion brands about doing virtual shows for, um, for, for fall. And I think nobody really sort of could see what we were sort of visualizing. And also mm-hmm. everyone was, was, was scared about cost. It's come down so much now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can make a, a beautiful, immersive, interactive setting put real models in there wearing real clothes so you're mm-hmm. not having that issue of like the, the, the digital clothing falling short of the real thing. Real models, real clothes in these incredible kind of 
emotional, transporting, immersive environments. Um, and it's, you know, you can do it now for less than what it would take to say your typical New York fashion shows. So mm-hmm. all that techn- technology is only getting better. I mean, the, the new iPhone 12 has a, a LiDAR depth scanner in it. So it's not, we're not so far away from being able to create 3D environments mm-hmm. ourselves with our phones and then put someone inside it. So you've made like a virtual setting for a show. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, um, what I'm saying is it's a, uh, for all that we've been pushed back on the physical side, we have this whole new toolkit to play with now in terms mm-hmm. of new creative ways of expressing mm-hmm. the vision of a collection. Sort of switching gears, probably, Victor, you you mentioned it in the in our tales of the pandemic going through a lockdown and then going through racial unrest. Um, I personally think one of the big things that is happening is this just explosion of, um, you know, the black fashion community. Um, Can you walk us through sort of the ups and downs of being a black creative and, you know, today and what areas does the black creative community still need to be supported by the industry? The the process is challenging, you know, in pre-pandemic times, now it's even more challenging. You know, the root of it comes down to funding and financing. And for so long, a Black-owned business, whether you're in fashion or in, in any other, you know, consumer goods, has been underfunded. So you have creatives who are funding this through other jobs, who are funding this through friends and family, who are funding this through any other way to, it's very hand to mouth. And that is a challenge in a fashion industry um, business environment that is normal. And now it's really difficult. This moment that we're in now when people are supporting designers, people are buying them, people are introducing them and giving them, giving us more of an audience. I worry that the sales component is troubling. You know, how do we support a designer now and sustain that momentum for years and decades to come? Because, you know, I always say fashion is... It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. It is not something that you burst out of the gate and you're super successful and you sell to all these stores, you know, but it's what happens in five, 10, 15 years. And for that, you need business acumen. You need, you know, production, invoicing, um, um, you know, logistics, um, fulfillment, all of these things that all of the bigger brands have you have to have, you're, you're, you're judged on the same level. The question everyone asks when you're in market or when you're introducing a brand, everyone asks, you know, what is your competitive set? Who do you, who do you think you're, you know, you want to hang next to in a store? Who do you think, you know, you want to be? All of these questions that are very arbitrary, but it's a comparison. So, you, so, you know, you are in luxury and you want to be Bottega Veneta, but the resources are not the same. The structure is not the same. Mm-hmm. The foundation is not the same. But for certain people, you're being compared to that or you want to be compared to that as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there is this misconception of 
you know, the reality versus the, the just the dream and fashion is a dream. However, now in this moment that we are in, when there is heightened attention on talent that should have been happening a long time ago, you know, I'm not new to this game. A lot of people are not. And now people are returning phone calls, you know, returning emails and interested when they should have been interested before. Mm -hmm. But it's about seizing that opportunity, but also being aware of how does this moment not feel like a blip and not Mm. just feel like Mm. um, um, we've ticked a box you know, or we've posted our black box um, on social and, and outwardly we are projecting this a- appearance of wokeness and allyship, but in reality, it's not that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, performative is a word that is used a lot at the moment. And a lot of it is, in my opinion, you know, but whether it is or it isn't, how do we, ensure that our allies and our creative spirit and energy sustains, you know, what is a very challenging year. And I would imagine one to come after that. Um, But how do we continue to just maintain and inspire one another and support one another? And I think, you know, what's happening now with organizations like in the black and others where black creatives are actually coming together and, and, and being clear about their economic power mm-hmm. and their cultural equity. Mm-hmm. I think that I have also never seen before either or read about it in other generations, you know? And I think now we are aware of what we're bringing and it's not going to be, you know, distilled. I'll never forget Virgil said at one point, it's really about this idea of us linking together. Mm -hmm. um, So we can't be picked off or one can't be anointed as, you know, Mm -hmm. the new star and Mm -hmm. everyone else is forgotten about, you know, it's Mm -hmm. about taking everyone with us. And that's the difference. So I think that's one of the things that has come out of the pandemic is that um, is the community of fashion and, you know, going back to um, business of fashion, which sort of put together a WhatsApp call for people to get together turned into a whole rewiring of the fashion business (laughs) because it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a business, a fashion thing. It was people getting together, designers, stores, you know, and talking about their collective issues. And that really catapulted and helped a lot of people through a very difficult time. So I think what you're saying about the Black creative community, we need to be more together on the same level talking to each other. Retailers need to be talking to retailers. Designers need to be talking to designers. Technology technology needs to be talking to technology. And I will say we cannot forget that we are also in the midst of an ongoing climate crisis. So we have to always dot the sentence with that. Um, and that is actually kind of what this whole podcast series is about. But you can't, one doesn't 
cancel out the other. We have all these issues that we're really having to deal with. But the only way we're going to do it is through this collective sort of consciousness. That's interesting because that's not, you know, as um, Victor and Julie said, we had this very powerful, you know, basically weekly therapy session (laughs) where we tried to figure out how weekly it was. By by weekly, we had it two times a week. You're absolutely right. Tuesday, and no one wanted to get off. I mean, we were, you know, it was. It was actually the most beautiful thing I've witnessed in the pandemic yes. is to watch all of these independent designers and retailers get together and openly share. And that is something that has really never happened in this industry before. This industry is full of smoke and mirrors and competition and people not wanting to be um members of a team and help each other out. And I think what happened within the Black has been such a beautiful part of this with the community coming together, the sustainability piece. You know, we had, you know, Gabriella Hurst, the queen of sustainability, sharing her hangers with the whole group. And, you know, and, and when, so we need, we need the, uh, the, the uh, back end piece now to be shared with the whole group. But it was really um, a beautiful thing to witness, like how we can, all get together and talk about what works in this industry, what doesn't work in this industry, and how to fix it. And we can only fix it when we put all the minds together, talk about the problems, talk about the issues, and come up with the solutions. And it was really the best part of the deep, dark lockdown. (laughs) And now that we're sort of heading back there again, we need to reinstitute it. (laughs) I've had several people say, when are we going to talk again? (laughs) (laughs) It It did show you, though, that's community right there. That is Correct. community, and um, that's what we have to keep. Like we always talk about, like, what are the things we want to keep that we've learned during the, this this period? Um, but it is the sense of community. Um, so on that note, thanks again, Victor and Jamie and Beth, for Thank joining you. us and yeah. lending all your experience and knowledge. Um, it's an important conversation and, I, and thanks to all the listeners who are joining us. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Circle of Influence podcast is co-hosted by me, Julie Gilhard, and Sarah Kozlowski, and produced by Hanger Studios. If you like what you're hearing, rate and review. It helps other listeners to find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening. 